Um, let's read Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 17 to 31. We're looking at Jesus uh, with people, Jesus with the rich and famous, uh, you might say, or the rich and important, uh, Jesus with the rich young ruler, as it's often described in this passage from Mark's gospel. Uh, Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17, uh, hear the word of God. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to them, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, um, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Conversation ends there, but we get more perspective as the verses go on. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them, Again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, And who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, Man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on you. His word and our time in it. Uh, Lord God, we thank you that you have sent your Son into the world and he has uh, spoken with people. Uh, spoken with people uh, like us, uh, people struggling, people in need of your grace and your mercy. And we thank you that, uh, uh, that you continue to speak to us in your word through the power of your Spirit. Uh, Lord, as we come to you uh, tonight, uh, worn out, uh, worn down, um, but needing the gospel, needing your grace, Lord, we ask that you would show us your power, uh, your love, and your mercy, uh, that you would uh, be molding our hearts into your image. Lord, we pray that you would, uh, through this time and through us, uh, reach out uh, to the keep us to those uh, like us in need of Jesus, that we would speak of his grace. We pray uh, and ask for your help and your power in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Jesus with uh, the written famous then, or maybe, you know, the guy's not really famous. We're not even told his name, although everyone does know his story. So maybe Jesus with the rich and the important uh, is kind of the idea that there are many who are uh, 
who are first, who are most important, will be of least importance, and uh, those of least importance of most importance. So Jesus with the rich and important. I think it's uh, really helpful to see how Jesus interacts, particularly uh, with the wealthy. Uh, this guy is said to have uh, great possessions, and our society is one that's consumed with a focus on the rich and the famous. We love to hear about people who have lots of stuff, and we want to be like them. And in a lot of senses, um, like the, the rich and famous people, those are our heroes. Uh, we have, you know, you don't really still have lifestyles of the rich and famous, but you know, maybe on some cable show you can still like find that and hear the what's the guy's voice, you know, the, the guy's name with the British accent all the way through it. But we like love to sit around and watch TV and just gawk at like people's huge houses, um, or even if you get like the HGTV stuff and the design on a dime is still like remodeling your bathroom for ten thousand dollars because that's that's like not very wealthy in our our sense, right? We live in a very wealthy culture and we're concerned with uh, what people. What people have what people are able to do and they're important because of uh, how much they have. Not just our society I consume and focus on that, but, but we're wealthy. Um, just as an American living in, uh, living in today's culture, um, we're wealthy. Even if you need like a full scholarship to Paul conference, even though it's $45, right? Like that's, that's great. Even then you're still wealthy because you can open up your closet and you've got Various sets of different clothes, or like Lindsay was talking about with unseen stories, comparing it to uh, to something else. You can go uh, to McDonald's and put out your, you know, 69 cents for a cheeseburger. Um, you can go to the store um, and buy your whole chicken already prepared for you at Publix. Um, you, you're here at a university, whether that's through bright futures and scholarships and, and what all. You have that that wealth, whether it's coming from you in your pocket, coming from your parents, coming from the society uh, that we enjoy. We're, we're wealthy uh, compared to the history of the world, uh, compared to the cultures of the world. Uh, all of us are wealthy. And not only that, at least for most of us, we'd like to be more wealthy. Uh, we, we would like to enjoy that more. We'd like to be able to make more and have more, more things that we'll... Uh, get to use and comfort ourselves with and, uh, and talk about with other people. So a passage like this addresses us. Um, we need to hear how Jesus speaks with those who are wealthy, who, those who are rich and important. But when you, when you read this, this, uh, this passage, the conversation really doesn't go how we expect it to go, does it? I mean, like, the, the way it starts is one way, but it ends a different way. It has a great beginning. I and mean, you read the story and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I mean, here's Jesus just going about his way, journeying to another town, and this guy runs up to Jesus, runs up and kneels down before Jesus to say, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Like, you're like, oh, this is going to be good. There's life transformation, there's conversion, what will this guy go out and do from there? I mean, he's coming to the right person with the right questions. He's coming to Jesus. He's looking for salvation. Um, this is what we get excited about. This is what we want to see happen. And then you jump down to the ending, and it's, it's not what we expect at all. After talking uh, with Jesus, it says his, his face falls, like when the clouds become, or when the sky becomes cloudy all of a sudden, his face uh, uh, falls, he's disheartened. He walks away from Jesus at the end of the passage, uh, mourning, sorrowful, uh, sad, unchanged, in, at least in, in some senses. Um, Sorrowful as he walks away. And the reason that's given in the, in the passage and given in Scripture for us, the reason that he goes away sorrowful is because he had great wealth. Because he had great possession. 
And Jesus, as we see him commenting after this and with his disciples, draws out the theme for us to make it very, very clear. I press it on to us. Right after the man walks away in verse 23, Jesus says, How difficult. Says it a few times with them. Reminds it again because they're amazed. How difficult it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Multiple times. It's kind of, kind of scary, uh, I think, for, for me, uh, for us. Um, these conversations are very important for, for present day Americans. They're very important uh, for us. Perhaps as a warning, uh, perhaps as an explanation, uh, perhaps as a call to something different. Um, Jesus says how difficult it is for the wealthy um, to enter the kingdom of God. Impossible through man, but possible uh, through God. So we're going to look at this conversation through uh, just three different aspects that you have on your uh, sheet there uh, with the passage. Uh, the man's view of Jesus we'll start with. We'll also see how in the passage uh, how he views himself, uh, and, and then importantly in the end how he views the riches or, or wealth um, itself. So, Really, whatever your economic status or your opinion of your economic status as we uh, come to this passage, um, what would Jesus say to you? Do you see the way that he talks with this man? What would he say to you? What, how would you respond to Jesus and his call on our life? See, first of all, his view of Jesus um, the only way to come into God's kingdom, to, to, to experience salvation, is through Jesus. So the most important thing for us is our view of Jesus. It's through faith in Him. Um, so if it's difficult for the rich and important uh, to enter into the kingdom, there's something about faith in Jesus that is difficult for them because of uh, their wealth. It's difficult for us because of our wealth. So what we see here, um, as we look at this man's view of Jesus, though, is it's actually pretty impressive, right? When we look at how this man comes to Jesus, um, this is great. I mean, he seems, he sought Jesus out. Uh, Jesus is going about his way somewhere else, and this man seems, uh, has sought Jesus out. He comes running. He's kneeling at his feet. That's the first way that he approaches Jesus. I see his need as he comes, his respect, looking to Jesus' authority. He's looking to Jesus for help. Right, this is like, like we pray that, that, that anyone that we know and people on the campus would come this way to Jesus, running, looking at him, uh, kneeling, asking for his help. It seems to have already heard Jesus' teaching, the way that he's asking about eternal life and what does he have to do uh, to, to find that. Um, you know, if only all the wealthy, or all the wealthy and all the poor would come to Jesus this way. There's an impressiveness in how he approaches Jesus and what we first see of his view of Jesus. And, and maybe even more than that, I think, as we look at it, we have to say, there's a certain measure of faith here. Right? There's, a, there's a level in which he is trusting Jesus as he comes. There's a lot of other religious leaders or, or religious teachers that he could have gone and talked to uh, for their opinion or on this question for him. Um, but he comes to Jesus, and he comes in such a way as if Jesus alone can give him the answer that he needs. Um, there's a certain measure of faith that Jesus is the one that he's looking to. Um, and though he's, though he's very wealthy, he seems to still recognize his need as he comes to Jesus. Not simply that he has it, you know, he, he can buy whatever he needs, uh, he, he, can, he can work these things out in his life. But he's, he, there's some discontent that would lead him to, to be running to Jesus. 
There's a pressing question on his life that he's coming to Jesus uh, for an answer uh, to. Uh, whether that's that those riches won't satisfy, that he's gone from one expensive thing to the next expensive thing, and he's, he's, he's tired of having only temporary satisfaction and nothing that fulfills, or, or maybe if you're more cynical, maybe he's not wanting to leave his wealth behind. Right? How can I have eternal life? Because I don't want to give up uh, all these things that I've been uh, blessed with or that I've acquired. If something prompts him uh, to run to Jesus for help, um, it's an impressive way of coming to Jesus, impressive in some senses the measure of faith, although at the end of the day we don't see him following uh, Jesus. It doesn't seem uh, to be, however, impressive. It doesn't appear to be uh, a saving faith here. Um, and we see that through how Jesus answers this man, or how he responds to him. Um, I mean, it's really kind of a surprising response that Jesus gives constantly in these conversations. Uh, right? The man's asking this question, how do you, you respond? Someone asks you, you know, good teacher or good friend, whatever they might say to you, um, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Like, all right, I've got my outline, I know the gospel presentation here, like, let's flip to this passage, and that's like, here, let's lay it out, right? Um, how does Jesus respond to this guy? Why do you call me good? No one is good uh, but God alone. Now, I mean, I, I won't ask any questions if y'all call me good. You know, like, I'll just, I, I'll let that slide. That'll be fine with me. You can keep calling me a good teacher or, or something. Uh, maybe that feels over the top for Jesus to be like, why do you call me good? No one's good but God alone. Um, but, but this is this is Jesus being scriptural uh, because Here's about the Bible. Um, Psalm 53, uh, I think it's verse 7. It's also quoted in, in Romans 3. You might know it more from there. No one is good. Scripture says outright, no one is good, uh, not even one. So what Jesus is, is doing is even trying to, in a sense, calling faith out from this person. He, he gets the right answer. He's right to call Jesus good, but he doesn't, he doesn't understand it. Jesus isn't just kind of looking for the right words for the man to express, but he's, he's asking why. What's the understanding behind it? Boy, he sees that the man, uh, he isn't looking to Jesus as, as the only one who's good. He isn't looking to Jesus because he's not good and no one else that he knows is good. He's not looking at Jesus as, as the one who perhaps he could represent us before God. That he could come before God and not be condemned so that there might be any way of salvation before us. He's not looking to him as the Christ, as the Messiah. He's not looking to Jesus as God himself uh, with us in the flesh. Uh, that we might know him. That we might trust him. That here is one who is good, reflecting God's character alone. This is God's very Son sent for us in our hope. Um, his faith in Jesus is not in that sense of looking for salvation. He's He's looking at Jesus as a good teacher, a moral teacher, a good instructor. He's ultimately right. What he's looking for is instruction and direction. Um, his assumption is, is still resting in what he must do to inherit eternal life. And maybe if he has the right guide, um, someone who really understands Scripture a different way, uh, someone who's a powerful communicator, or whatever different things, that Jesus is someone who can help show him how to gain for himself something he doesn't already have. This is teacher and instructor to help him uh, in his walk. 
is what his faith looks like. Um, but we need a Jesus who can do more than answer questions for us. Um, it would be great to have someone who could answer every question that we would like to, to ask. And when uh, you know, we do a little stump to chump thing, you can throw out any question instead of me kind of giving like vague uh, responses around and pulling in certain scripture and talking about uh, my neighbor. Um, you'll uh, actually get someone saying, this is what scripture teaches you here. Here's the clarity of it. Here's the full force of all. It would be great to have someone to give us all those truths and be speaking to it how it, how it d- directly hits uh, where we are. Um, but if all we have is someone to answer questions for us, uh, then all we find is how far off we are. Um, it's it's through, the, through the law that uh, comes the knowledge uh, of sin. What we find is that we can't do it. Um, the problem is that we're not good. We're still not good, even with all that teaching, even with all that instruction. Uh, we can't inherit eternal life through what we must do, as the man describes it. Um, Jesus continues to address the man's view, not just of Jesus, but that man's view of himself. Um, for anyone to look to Jesus in faith, uh, we have to see our own need of him. Um, it's, it's our view of ourselves that often keeps us from God. That, that we think, maybe in some senses, that, we're, that God couldn't have anything to do with us, or maybe in the other sense, that we've, we've got so much that God is very pleased with us. Uh, but then never coming to God, uh, humbly resting in Christ for his grace. Just like it's our, often our view of ourselves that keeps us from other people, right? Like, oh, those people, like, they're just, uh, they're really cool, they're really important, like, they wouldn't want to be around me, and you just kind of move away from those people. Or, I'm really cool, and I'm really important, and those people over there aren't going to make me uh, seem so good. And we just kind of, it's our own view of ourselves that, that pulls us away from, from different people, um, Talking with uh, Matt and Trishiana, we're sitting over at uh, at uh, was the All Saints Cafe, right? I love local coffee shops. I think they're great. No offense to Starbucks, uh, uh, Taylor there, or maybe I don't know. But it's, it's fun. But I walk into the local coffee shops, and I'm always like, I like this place. It's got a good vibe, but I'm not sure I really fit here. You know, like maybe when I have the beard growing, then I, then I feel like I fit in a little bit more. And I'm like, I don't know that I really fit there. So then, like, I'll probably pull myself away from people more because of. We have to understand ourselves and our need uh, for God, our need uh, for Christ, before we'll ever begin to look to him as more than someone who can answer our questions, someone who can help me get it right and make sure I'm, on the, uh, make sure I'm doing everything the way I'm supposed to be. Um, so, so look at this man's view of himself on uh, this passage and how Jesus uh, answers him. Um, so his view of Jesus is he, look, he calls Jesus a good teacher, not necessarily seeing him as God with us. His view of himself is he, is he a good obeyer or a, or a guilty uh, self-server? Um, when, you, when you look at this passage, you look at this man's life, again, just like the way that he comes to Jesus, it's really it's impressive. Um, I, would, I would look Tad standing next to this man, uh, with how he describes what his life is. I mean, after Jesus has listed several of the Ten Commandments, he responds, uh, all these things I've kept from my youth. Right? Like, if, if you heard Jesus just respond, you're listening to all these things, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, like, eh, do not steal, bear false witness, um, to be able to respond, all these things I've kept from my youth. Um, but still, he, he seems to recognize that something more must be needed. Um, 
as he, he responds to, to Jesus from him saying that, Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth, and he's still looking for more that Jesus would say. But as he views his own life, he sees himself what? What he's been obedient. What he's done good. And all the things that I know that Scripture has said, all the commands of God that I've, I've heard, that I've studied through his word, I've been intentional since my youth. I've poured myself into making sure that I am, that I am obeying all these things, that I am doing all these things right. I mean, he says it with, with the confidence of someone who's diligently pursued it. Um, seems to have set his life to obey everything God said. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people who couldn't, even with just this list of commandments, say, yes, I've kept everything uh, that, that you said there. I mean, it speaks of stealing. I mean, right? You, some of you have brothers and sisters, right? They have a nice toy or something that you want to play with. I mean, all of a sudden there, I mean, I'm fine with stealing spice in my house all the time because someone has something that someone else had a little bit ago. Um, and we don't just, like, grow out of it that quickly um, as, we, as we get a little bit older. Um, or I always have several friends, you know, friends of mine who enjoyed shoplifting for school. Not because they needed it, just it was fun to pop, throw it in your pocket. Um, makes, makes the shopping experience so much more exhilarating, right? Um, uh, you couldn't just say, yeah, I've kept this. Or, or bearing false witness, right? I mean, none of us have ever repeated gossip about someone that might or might not be true. Um, and just continuing to, to repeat those things, bearing false witness about who how someone is. Or, I, you know, those things are good. Honor your father and your mother, right? Like, that's a doozy. Like, you've always are talking respectfully, encouraged them, spoken well of them to, to other people in a right sense, uh, uh, showing them, uh, honoring them as best as you're, as you're able to do. Um, and... and like most of us in those things were caught, not to mention Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, teaching the law that drives us to the heart, uh, that says, yes, you hate your brother or, or speak ill against someone you know, that's, that's of the same heart as killing them. You're breaking the command of murder. Jesus doesn't even, even go there. Um, but, but this man's able to list these, as Jesus lists these things and say, yes, this is what I've done. This is what I've, this is what I've been pursuing. This is what I've done right. Um, he seems to be the good, obedient uh, person. That's his, his view of himself. One of the great things in this passage is hearing this man say this and seeing how Jesus responds. He says, all these things I've kept from my youth. I mean, come on. Uh, if, if you're talking with a friend and you start going through the Ten Commandments, they're like, yeah, 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 I've always done all those things. Like, come on, I'm good at that. I mean, how are you going to respond? <laughs> oh, yeah, come on, let's talk about that a little more. I mean, I'm going to start going off on a person about how they're uh, such a self-righteous, prideful uh, jerk and how they treat everyone else and they've just you know, ruined other people's lives because they're trying to pursue their obedience and bring themselves out before God and they don't have any clue what it really means to love people and da 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 right? Or, or you hear people talking like that. Was it too easy for me to go on about that? Um, um, or, uh, or, right, we talk to someone like that, and we want, to, we want to show that person how they're not any better than us, how that they've broken all those things. Um, and it says that Jesus, as he looked at him, I loved him. Because um, the guy is kind of a self-righteous, prideful, thinks he's a, a do-gooder and off. Um, but Jesus loves him, and he responds... Uh, in compassion, even though the man seems to consider himself uh, good, when only God is good, uh, Jesus shows compassion towards him. Even though when a man struggles to see that he has 
uh, any need for Jesus and just to answer questions and, and, and uh, drive him a certain way. And certainly no need for uh, his death, his coming into the earth as God um, and, and living and dying uh, for our salvation. But Jesus responds in love uh, to, to still bring out a real view of who the man is. Not loving him and just say, yeah, yeah, you're pretty good on these things. But um, for him to show that he's not really the good obeyer that he thinks he is, instead of just smacking him on the face and the things that he thinks he's, he's great with, um, Jesus says, all right, you lack one thing. You've, sought, you've tried to pursue obedience and all these things. Uh, you, you, you lack one thing. And my, maybe this is too far, my guess in, in reading this passage is that's something that still might even resonate with this guy. Uh, he, he feels the lack of something. Uh, he's, he's running to Jesus. He's asking him, what, what do I have to do to inherit eternal? What, what's lacking in what I'm doing? And Jesus says, okay, I'll tell you that. You, you, you lack uh, one thing. Um, and he tells him, go, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, uh, and come and follow me. You gotta feel. You, you always start like you know, thinking what's in your wallet. Like you like look through your closet, your bank account, like different things that you uh, go and do. Just kind of feel the weight of this. But what he's drawing out as Jesus speaks to him is, all right, how do we sum up the law? Love God and love your neighbor. Do you love your neighbor? Here you're saying all these things that you've, you've kept, these things that are supposed to lead you into loving, that are summed up as loving your neighbor. Do you, do you love your neighbor? Um, what about your concern for the poor and the needy, for those who don't have like you have? Have you loved them? Are you willing uh, to, to love them? This, this is a huge theme uh, in, in Scripture and one that we uh, often are much more comfortable ignoring. Um, uh, you know, Deuteronomy 15, just to just bring out a very clear quote uh, for you, Deuteronomy 15, 7, 8 says, if, if among you one of your brothers should become poor, in any of your towns, within your land, that the Lord your God has given you, like not just the one next to you, maybe, anyway, anyway someone becomes uh, poor, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Um, it's where it says that there shouldn't be any poor in the land of God's people, that they're all caring for one another. The way we begin to see happening uh, uh, in, in Acts as, the, uh, as Christ has sent his spirits and the, and the church is being uh, changed. There's a huge theme uh, all through Scripture of what, it, what God's calling his people to, what it means to be loving your neighbor. Um, you start to read through some of the, some of the prophets, Native prophets, minor prophets. We, we look at Amos uh, one year in RUF. Uh, it, it's, it's all in there. It's scary. Uh, speaking of God condemning his people living wealthy lives, living big houses with, with you know, ivory, uh, ivory something or another. Um, and while you're trampling over the poor, while you're walking over the... And if you had asked these people, like, have you walking over the poor lately? You know, like, what are you talking about? This is not what I've done. But all their life was given to, to what they could build up for themselves with, with ignoring what God's called them to of who they're called to love, caring for the poor or the needy or the downtrodden, the ones who can't uh, help themselves. God is always pictured in Scripture as a God to the poor and the needy. 
Um, as, you, as you go through the Old Testament toward the, toward the end, the, the remnant of God's people becomes described by the term the poor. Uh, sometimes Christian was talking about the poor is just using that term as a, as a description of God's people, those who are in need of him. God is the one who rescues uh, those who don't have uh, for themselves. That's what we mean when we talk about grace. As Jesus tells us, man, go, sell everything that you have, um, give it to the needy and come and follow me, it becomes, becomes very obvious um, that this man is not the, the good obeyer. Um, he's not the obedient one. Um, he's not in line with God's commandments. He shows himself as the as one who's guilty, whose life has been concerned with serving himself. His primary interest has been in himself. What he has, uh, what he can have and enjoy, what benefit it has for him. Uh, even you can look at it one way to say, maybe the way that he's talking about Obeying the law and the good things that he could do and what else God might ask of him so that he can gain more things for himself. So that he can gain that security and salvation even internally for himself. He's, he's concerned with serving himself. I think it's, as you said, it's difficult for the rich or wealthy to, um, to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard not to have that perspective when you're rich when you're wealthy. Let's just say, like, it's hard not to have that perspective of being concerned with, with serving yourself and having your needs met when you live in America. Um, and you drive down streets and there's billboards everywhere that you can see. And you watch TV and you have to sit through, uh, you know, three-minute commercials if you can't, like, fast forward through it or, you know, whatever, different things. And you're constantly being told, here's something that fills your needs. Here's something that fills your needs. Consume this. Consume this product. This will make you happy. This will make your life better. Uh, so you're, you're constantly being presented with, here's all these things of ways that you can serve yourself. Um, and it would take a whole lot of work to say, well, what do other people need? I mean, people are coming to you telling you there's a sale going on at J.C. Penney's and you can get this for, you know, $10.99 this week only, whatever. Um, no one's coming to you saying, and there's this person who doesn't have all these things that your money could go and, and, and have this impact on these people who are, who are needed in you and don't have those shoes or whatever you could buy at $10.99 at Maybe my prices are off. I don't know. Um, it, it's hard not to just be concerned with ourselves. It's easy to indulge yourself. Not to feel like you have the right. To feel like that's what you're supposed to do. That's what we, that's what we do in our culture. That's what I do in our culture. Um, it's very difficult to be more concerned with others' needs. Um, we're trained to be fulfilling uh, your next need, looking for the next thing that's going to make you happy. And that kind of advertising wouldn't exist if this wasn't our perspective. This wasn't the way we, we live, the way we view ourselves. Um, and the cost seems to be too much for this man. Um, Jesus has called him to, to follow me. And the man didn't love Jesus enough to sell all that he had. Uh, he's not willing to give up that comfort, uh, to give up that wealth uh, for Jesus. It's discouraging to read. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful. He had great possessions. Uh, his view of himself was off. It wasn't that he was so obedient. He was just concerned to serve himself. And then as he, as he looked Jesus in the face and heard Jesus' teaching and, said, and, and the gospel said, this isn't just about you. And this isn't just about making you feel better or making you happier, making sure that your life is prosperous. Uh, he went, 
well, the cost of the gospel, the demands on me are, are not what I'm coming here for, are not what I'm interested in. His view of Jesus, his uh, view of himself, and his, his view of wealth as well brings us on to the, to the heart of the matter and the view of wealth. He's walked away from the Jesus, and the reason the scripture gives is because he had great possessions. So, I mean, you're all college students, right? So you don't, you don't have that much, that much stuff. You know, if you had to fit all your stuff in a moving van, it can just be like a pickup truck with a tarp over the back or, or something. Or something, you know, you get your couch there or whatever. But, um, but what if Jesus said, even with what you have, leave it all behind? What if you're there talking with Jesus and bringing these things out? And he says, all right, leave it all behind, sell it, give it to the needy, and come and follow me. Uh, give up your, maybe it's your bright teacher's uh, scholarship. Give up your education. Uh, give up your apartment. Give up your car. Give up your bank account, or, you know, there's not that much in your bank account. Give up your access to your mom and dad's bank account that you're not allowed to call them anymore and get them to forward you uh, money or pay for something for you. You have to give your, you know, cut up all your credit cards, send them back to, uh, um, send them back to, uh, to your parents. Um, Give up your closet full of clothes with great outfits for spring and fall and the rainy day and uh, whatever else might be there. I know Matt's like his, his nice new rain boots that he wears around. Um, if you have to give away uh, the Xbox, uh, the iPod, um, the things that we want to want to rest in, you have to take all your shoes to goodwill, like all my different pairs of Kinos. I have to take over there. Um, how do we respond if Jesus was calling us, leave it all behind, sell it, care for the needy, and follow him? Listen, this, what you see is this man saw his wealth as his salvation. Uh, his wealth was the good stuff, not the gospel that Jesus was talking about. Uh, his wealth was what makes his, his life uh, happy, what makes his life satisfa- satisfactory, what makes it encouraging for him and good. Um, he had the good stuff already. He had the, the plasma TVs in his car, you know, that can just pop up while he's going for the long drive or whatever. He's got his own jet, whatever. Like, he's got the nice plush couch, the big house, the apartment, the, the dream life that we would want to be able to enjoy. He's got that already. His life is set. We look at him as, as being saved. We look at him as having salvation for what this life has because he's got it all. That's what we think we want. Um, he's got it. He doesn't want to give that up. That is his salvation. Um, he wanted something more to be able to add to what he had, right? He's coming to Jesus and saying, all right, I've got all this wealth. I've got been obedient and all these things. Uh, how can I add more to that from what you're telling me? What I meant giving those things up, um, he's not interested. His possessions were his salvation. His salvation from poverty. Uh, his salvation from hunger or for pain or hardship or disease. He didn't have to worry about those things. Um, who in their right mind would give that up? Uh, scripture calls us to care uh, for the poor and needy. That's part of where we're uh, part of where we're left from understanding God's commands and the law, or even just speaking with Jesus. Jesus called into a different view of wealth, um, not just a different view of what you do uh, with your wealth and who you give it to or how you serve yourself, but that speaks as well of this of treasure in heaven. Uh, the God gives you more than what you give yourself. It, the, the crux of the issues you see with this man is that uh, his estimation of what he has in comparison to what he uh, would get 
it's not going to work out for him. I mean, it's a simple like bank account transaction. So I've got to give up all the things in my possession uh, for, for what? For like walking around with Jesus not being sure where you're going to sleep or where your meals are going to come from or what he'll do with you. He's like, all right, I know like, eternal life doesn't sound good if that's what I'm doing. Um, uh, this isn't this isn't what he what he wants or looking at, but he's calling a different perspective um, of what God does and not uh, not what we do. He can't give up the wealth that he has, the wealth that he wants. Um, as you read through, listen in on this conversation of Jesus with the, the rich and important. How would Jesus' conversation with us go about wealth? Now, how would we respond? Jesus calling us to the same things. How do we respond with the, with the call of the gospel that is in Scripture, with the commands of what Christ has done? Uh, it feels like this man looks at it and says, well, does the gospel increase my importance? Does it increase my importance? That's how we want to view the question. That's our view of salvation and the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God and of need. So, you know, God's kingdom kind of reverses everything. If you're, if you're poor and needy, it's easy to recognize the free grace that's given to you. Uh, but if you're rich and wealthy and important, the gospel seems so costly. It seems uh, so difficult. The kingdom of God reverse, reverses those fortunes. It's not what you want when you're on top. Um, the most important will be uh, the least important. How difficult, Jesus says, it will be uh, for the wealthy to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And you see his disciples just like, like they're amazed. And Jesus says it again. They're like greatly amazed. They're like, this, this doesn't make any sense. Who then can be saved? If it's not the important, if it's not the people that seem to already be on their way to having it, uh, then who? Um, and Jesus responds with, man, it's, it's impossible. Uh, but not with God. But all things are possible with God. God said, oh, it's just the poor who will be saved, or just the people who do give up all their stuff. You know, don't make that mistake. Oh, if I go give up all my stuff, then, then I am. I'm, I'm righteous too. Jesus will probably have another question to you of what it looks like for you to love your neighbor or love God, uh, that you're not, um, we're not good, that we need Christ to be uh, good for us. Uh, but it rests in God's grace and in his power of what is possible. But he can call us away from our possessions, away from our wealth or the wealth that we wish uh, we would have. And call us to be those um, that hold on to him instead of all our stuff. And then holding on to him and seeing how he has loved and given up himself for us. That he left his father's uh, riches and became poor uh, so that we might be rich. Uh, that we would as well uh, be generous in following him. How uh, we want to hold on to what we have or what we uh, get for ourselves. Or will we listen to Jesus to give it away, to give it up, to stop trusting in all our stuff. To follow Jesus. The hard passage, the scary passage, it doesn't end with that exciting ending that we hoped it would have. The man, disheartened, sorrowful, uh, walks away. Uh, but let's pray for God's grace uh, that we would cling to Christ and nothing else. Uh, Lord God, we praise you that you are a king and a glorious king uh, who 
who loves us in our messed up failures and pride and even resting on our wealth or what we can achieve for ourselves or our own self-righteousness, uh, but calls us out of it. Uh, Lord, we, we pray for, not particularly willingly, but we pray for conviction of sin, uh, that we would see how we're not good, uh, that we see how we don't love and all the things that we rest in instead of you. Um, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to that, uh, but open our eyes more so uh, to who Jesus is for us and all that he has done uh, in coming to provide his grace uh, for us to be reconciled to you. Lord, we see the glory of the treasures of the kingdom of heaven uh, that are ours in Christ. Lord, we embrace Christ in faith. Lord, we pray that you would work in us and continue to work out that faith in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.